No, what I really like the idea uh, is like a TV show where, like, kind of like a Masters of None, or just like where you got like a kind of just hip, like somewhat ethnic guy in the big city, and it's about dating and just like that kind of stuff. But then, like, slowly just all these incidents start to happen and like the guy gets fucked with by the cops. Then he just like gets in touch with this network of people. And you just slowly like see him radicalize throughout the show until it's a terror (laughs) attack. You just try and get Netflix to like option that for a season. I have, okay. I want to pitch the same show. This, the second season of this, because he dies at the end of the first season, but the second season, We're doing the same program, except it is going to be an art piece. The first eight hour long episodes are just going to be a fat white guy in his basement gooding on 4chan. <laughs> and then the last one is going to be him killing 17 gay people. <laughs> going into a church. Uh, yeah, either or. I mean, whatever. He, he can kill whoever. I mean, it It just, I think it There's will be a, exactly a, a as the same. <laughs> the entire series is shot from the front facing camera on his phone. <laughs> Uh-oh. Oh, <laughs> in, in God! For sure, yeah. <laughs> going to be the front seat of his. That car. actually, that actually would no be AC. like, um, like, like genuinely, like pretty. Yeah, no AC is going to really come through. Um, on on the TV we show, need to um, see but, the beats of sweat. but that would actually be like a really interesting. Like, it's that, it's that story, but it is just through the cameras that he constantly has in his life because you know he always has cams on, and he's like some kind of like alt right streamer. So there's like an excuse for it, you know. That could be really, really tight. You know, it it's 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 a dumb idea that like a, I a big I really Alaska type peep show. <laughs> yeah, I, I really only approve of this idea if he doesn't talk and it's just like an eight hour like still run <laughs> of him just staring at a screen and then he just picks up an AR fifteen and walks out. Like that's much better to me, it's, especially if you can just get him muttering while typing. That'll also be pretty high on my list. Him getting into like fights on the internet, but then like not actually like. <laughs> yeah, he's we... getting into like really obscure fights. He's just like, actually, if you look at the dimples of a fucking Norwegian versus Finn, you can tell. Many months has come and gone since Red I was born. Oklahoma's most Republican podcast. Where I was born. Yet I keep doing crime. Many a page of life you be my turned, many a lesson I doing have well, I feel like in those hills I still belong. We be doing crime. We don't they are revisionists and they are reactionaries. We just can't make it a reservation in Oklahoma. Hills where I was born. This is Red Star over Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Now we're down yonder in the Indian nation. The cowboy's life is my occupation in those Oklahoma hills where I was born. I'm Adam Burnett, and this week we have Carl Roberts, Parker Nelson, and Stephen Lastman on the show. And this is Red Star Over Oklahoma. We are a politics and news podcast broadcasting about left Oklahoma. Uh, it's been a while, but we're back. Uh, it's It's been a bit of a struggle to get all of our uh, um, schedules to line up in line, but we are finally here, and we are going to be discussing this week in national news, in which we will be talking about the looming war with Iran. Then we will move on to discussion of camping semantics, before, of course, turning to Oklahoma news, where we'll be discussing a ballot initiative that could expand health care in Oklahoma, and a Supreme Court decision that will reverberate through the eastern half of the state. Then we will jump, move on to the conservative reading series for the week. So let's jump into national news. And I believe our first story is about Iran. Well, it seems that once again, Iran is uh, provoking the United States by placing their borders incredibly close to our drones. Um, just a relentless act of war directed at the United States. Uh, 
to just keep their sovereign airspace in the direction of our military hardware. I really think that that's how we need to sell borders. <laughs> like from this point forward, like, like it affect that they, these Mexicans got too close to our border. <laughs> no good. We, we do that already. Like we've shot Definitely. multiple people in Mexico over the border. I know. Like, but I, like that's a thing. I, th- this will be perfect. This will be perfect you, justification. You, wait. Well, <laughs> let's wait. And so, um, Iran is uh, claiming that you know the the drone was over Iranian airspace, which seems a ridiculous claim. I can't think of a time when the United States would ever violate Iranian air sovereignty. I don't think Yemen that's ever happened. Screams in Yemen. <laughs> You're using those two words. Sovereignty and airspace. <laughs> Maybe. Just kidding. Continue. Uh, but yeah, basically, <laughs> basically, basically, what's been happening is that um, this is the uh, second or third event in uh, some very transparent attempts to drum up fervor against Iran by uh, General Mike Pom- or Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, and uh, of course. Uh, Listen, uh, all right, John Bolton. drunken American sailors sailing into a well-marked and well-mapped <laughs> minefield is an affront to our justice by Iran. <laughs> Let me tell you, I do not. Okay, th- 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 this is... This is like the the Bay of Tonkin all over again. And I'll just say it, and it is the exact same level of 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 just disregard for international norms that the North Vietnamese displayed. Oh, so outside okay. of the outside of the main library uh, in Somerville, there's a monument to the Spanish-American War, which is just <laughs> <laughs> but the worst possible war you could probably build a monument to. It's pretty funny. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, so this no, is, uh, pause. The worst possible <laughs> war you could build a monument to is the Civil War when it's a Confederate monument. Well, okay? yeah. <laughs> I, I'm just going to go ahead and hedge my bets and s- just say Nazis because anybody <laughs> putting up a statue of Hitler is also on that list for me. I don't know. I think, side, I should say. <laughs> the war against God is Did, definitely more important. Have you guys like, seen? When you try to build those fucking devil statues at my Capitol building. <laughs> Have you guys seen um, the Thai restaurant known as Achler? Have you guys heard about this? What? Yeah, so (laughs) there is a restaurant in Thailand that um, they initially came out. Oh, 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 I know exactly what you're talking about. They are KFC. It is is Kentucky Fried Chicken, and it is the KFC logo, except instead of Colonel Sanders' head, it's (laughs) Hitler. (laughs) And at first it was just called Hitler. (laughs) But I then they to. changed it to Achler. <laughs> I love the idea of, honestly, that's kind of cool because if Hitler knew about that, you know how mad he would be? Yeah. At once, this <laughs> mongrel race of people was doing this. <laughs> Two, that it's a chicken restaurant since he was vegetarian. <laughs> okay, I want to get back. Let's well, yeah, get seeing as we're trying to talk about because Godwin's law always prevails on our show. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, but, no, Godwin's law is going to come up again in the next story. <laughs> God damn it. Um, but yeah, so um, Iran has basically we've we've had a series they, of events, that, uh, very minor <laughs> events that really don't matter. That the uh, generals in charge are using to drum up uh, fervor against uh, Iran and drop support for a possible war in the future. I guess they, you John know, Bolton they, has they're, never. They're no, no, Iran. Go to war with Venezuela, and now they're. Like, <laughs> 
Iran assaulted the rights of gamer Americans because that that kid in uh, southern Nevada hadn't saved (laughs) on his level of Call of Duty before he flew over the airspace and it got shot down. So, you know, an attack on the rights of gamers is an attack on the rights of all. I would like you know how many uh, like American servers are hosted on the drone that we sent over there. (laughs) I just want to again affirm that John Bolton has never once stirred or stirred anything, much less a fervor. All right. He is a calm. I've never heard of him instigating for anything other than peace. He is the Henry Kissinger of this administration. Oh, but you know, you're you're getting all the usual stars coming out for this one. Uh, a lot of the just dog shit opinions from the Washington Post and New York Times. I think it was like Brett Stevens, uh, Max Boot, just all the people that were instrumental in uh, the Iraq War are coming God, back. I love some boot. Yeah, both. just getting getting some some real war boners on. Uh, well, both well, Cheney's got, daughter got... and McCain's daughter's Twitter yes, accounts yes, are in Megan full is, full force. Um, I'm, I'm fair, sure Megan... she's disappointed that her father can't crash land a plane into Iran, but well, this should, is the nonetheless, she, she wants really something. Support, yeah, because her dad won't be able to get injured in it by crashing a plane. <laughs> um, he he can find a way. <laughs> Uh, he'll just um, he'll fly, he'll fly a plane into downtown Tehran, and um, everyone will call it reverse 9-11. They're going to be using the same technology that they brought Tupac back. <laughs> Hologram John McCain into the new <laughs> Right into Tehran. Like right into the nuclear facility at Shiraz. You guys um. are making jokes, but I could 100% see Donald Trump getting on like you know eight months from now when he declares victory over Iran, and he's standing on the 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 foredeck of the USS Constitution with a hologram of John McCain and Abraham Lincoln, just like, listen, my biggest fans, my biggest supporters, John McCain, Abraham Lincoln, Abraham, you think I'm a racist? Oh, no, I don't, Donald. uh, You're one of the best people I've ever heard of. I don't know why I did my Obama voice for Abraham Lincoln, but... They're they're both from Illinois, so they're pretty much the same. (laughs) Uh, But talking of Donald Trump, he seems to be the one person who actually stopped the forthcoming war with Iran after uh, initially deciding to go through with it. Fake news. No, 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 no. One missile is worth more than 150 lives. That's all he did. Was Yeah, I mean, basically... Well, no, the wild thing, so... so, I think it's engineered. I think it was never a plan. Tell tell, tell the whole thing, Lassie. I mean, basically, Trump was fully on board with going to war as, uh, you know, Bolton and Pompeo were urging them on, like, on both sides of his shoulder, like two devils, like... Do it, do it, go to war. And then it's like, no, no, go to war, but with nukes. Um, But, you know, after uh, he got the briefing that I think it would be, what was it, 150,000 lives? 150, 150, 150. It was like 12 people. Hearing the the estimates on that, uh, made a call that, you know, that's that's a bad deal. Bad deal. Too many lives. Not a good deal. I would take 75,000 lives? Or Good deal. I would lives. take that. But uh, if the best you're going to do is 150,000 lives, I'm not going to take it. Bad deal. Didn't they drop and a you know, bomb the size of a bus you know on a hill in Afghanistan you know? and kill like three people? I genuinely believe that what happened is that he actually did that. Like He seriously did that. <laughs> but the, 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 the blood-curdling, terrifying part of this is that well, they gave him like a... just started hissing at him as soon as he said no. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> just like vampires when you pull out a cross. Exactly. Um, but no, that um, they gave him a brief about it that included that. That was like big and wordy, so he just didn't read it. And so he did actually ask them about it, and they gave him that brief on purpose so he wouldn't read it, so he'd go through with it. <laughs> that genuinely is what happened. That is headcanon true to me. I mean, I'm going to I'm gonna take a dive into the mind of our president, and i got to assume part of this is he realized if he actually went to war, he would have much less time to watch television. <laughs> he I, just would, he would have less free time. He wouldn't get to go golfing. He'd have to be. He'd have to look uh, important and dress up in his special little guy suits and stand in the war room. Um, he he knows that that would take up his time. I I I I I like hedging bets that 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 Donald is just lazy and doesn't want to do things. <laughs> I I like that take. I mean, Personal- he is the most American president yeah. for that reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Personally, I am of he the opinion the <laughs> that that this was uh, concocted. I think there wasn't ever going to be one, just because I think that if they had actually bombed Iran, it would have meant a ten-year war starting when it happened with the draft. I mean, with the, the draft. No, no. Like there's not going to be a draft. There's no, not going to be a draft. No. Why do they? They don't need bodies. No, they don't. No, they no, have plenty no, of people no, already there. No. No, the chief of staff of Colin Powell went who who quit over Col- fucking Iraq. Colin Powell went on <laughs> went on Mehdi Hassan's intercept intercept podcast deconstructed, and I listened to it yesterday. And he said there would have to be a draft because it would turn into a land war. There's no, no way around it because we can't just bomb. Colin He's just Powell a professional. He doesn't have a job anymore. <laughs> I would like to point out that I have a military dude on my side. Who do you have? Who's your daddy? Nobody. I'm right. What? Yeah, okay, but, but, but that's why I'm right is because they I don't do have a daddy. From, they can do it all from a trailer in Nevada. They don't need a draft. Literally. They the can first, level the, the place. The casualty with the best. of this war was a robot. It was a fucking iRoomba that we sent over into <laughs> the Iranian border. It was one of those sweet racing Jones, and we just duct taped <laughs> a landmine to it, and then we're like, oh no, it blew up. <laughs> How do you all feel about this absolutely wild shit that they're trying to like use the the whatever the fuck it's called the justification for use of force from 9-11 and they're like iran is actually al-qaeda <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah they, they pulled al-qaeda out of the bag again haven't heard much from them in a while i i um was listening I, to I, some I, mtr <laughs> stuff and they were basically saying that the, they were saying that there was oh it's going to be some confusion over whether or not the 9/11 uh, 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 action plan is still in force. I'm like, yeah, that was the whole fucking issue in the goddamn first place. Everybody knew that was the fucking issue when we did it. The president went to war and he's not allowed to do that. And then we were all like, well, I guess it's already fine. So, and now I mean, yeah, it is I, the forever I do war. Say that, like, putting aside the obvious like moral deprivation of launching a completely unnecessary war like tactically we would get our asses handed to us going against like the first organized military we've ever faced since like i guess it's like fucking korea yeah or something. I, yeah I, it was what like I, vietnam the gulf war just all these other like latin american conflicts this would be the first organized military we've actually had to face and as like as horribly as we have fucked up in iraq just imagine actual like a large standing army a large standing stuff. army and then like um clients who have been prepping for this day for like 40 well talking maybe 30 Prince? years at this point across the <laughs> across, talking about Halliburton? no i'm talking about like hezbollah and hamas and to some talking extent the saudis Houthis, um 
the Saudis can't do war. Yeah, the, the Saudis, Saudis can't do a us. war in <laughs> Yemen successfully. They can't do a war against the rebels in Yemen, like yeah, literal yeah. dirt farmers. But they, yeah, they, 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 What's going to happen when we like go to the first day of a war with Iran and we all try and like they all put the keys to the ignitions of the F-35s and every single engine <laughs> blows up and then ejects all of the pilots into the top of their cockpits. Well, yeah, but John McCain would be proud at least. <laughs> <laughs> they all like just get ejected off a cliff like Wiley e. Coyote. <laughs> Hold up a sign that says "Yikes!" before falling into the Arabian desert. <laughs> I, I I also like that same take, except that they try and start them and they don't start, and then they open them up and they find out the all the engines are just drawn on pieces of paper and like there's just, just like, empty cavities inside the inside. It's completely empty. <laughs> Say like, thank wait. you for the fifty billion. <laughs> did you? One of those raccoons are like death to America. The Mahdi is coming. <laughs> uh, but one more, one more uh, amusing thing about this is people getting uh, what they've tried to pull out as justification is that Iran uh, is now pr- uh, being proven to violate the, uh, uh, the, the nuclear deal that we reneged on. They're like they stopped following the deal that we went back on last year. So clearly, this is an act of war. <laughs> I, I I also enjoy the the portion of this where there has been no discussion by any of the mainstream pundits about well they did shoot the drone down in their airspace <laughs> like that's just conceded like yeah of course our drone was in their airspace like whatever who gives a fuck like of course it was of course they shot it down like it it's just like I don't know in in a, in a realpolitik sense it's just such an engineered outcome that it's just like yeah. Duh. Well, I mean, it's also a thing with like with like the boats. It's like they none of them are American. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> they've like all they're... been like the fucking Japanese owner of the boat that we supposedly have the mine video from was like, yeah, no, that's literally not real. That's just not real. <laughs> <laughs> like the captain, the guy who's running the boat is like, this is fake, and everyone's like, no, nah, actually, it was wrong. Do you? Do you no, believe, no, actually, <laughs> do you believe the dude? Who was on the boat and like talked to his sailors about it, or do you believe the the totally real video we put up? You know, like how 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 are we at this point again? I mean, uh, it's just so transparent. It's like we've had uh, how how many times have we used some like trumped up uh, boat incident to drop sympathies from a war? There's been at least yeah. three wars. The, like, the USS Maine, World War Two, the Maine, Gulf of this Tonkin, one. Lusitania. Battle of the Atlantic. on the wrong side of the war. (laughs) (laughs) More show and tell me from Bolton using the same thing for the last 70 decades. Or seven decades. (laughs) The uh, second Pirates of the Caribbean movie. (laughs) (laughs) Bolton, this is the the fourth time this week you've brought in a boat sinking in international waters. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to show show Trump James Cameron's Titanic and be like, Iran did this. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that is the new Titanic 2 coming up <laughs> just like a Sharia style iceberg <laughs> that iceberg no pigs on it <laughs> alright do we want to move on to uh, national story number 2 uh, conservative or conservative news outlets have taken up uh, like yoga and gotten pretty good at stretches like weaponizing Jewish suffering to misdirect conversations away from the initiative to keep kids in cages after seeking asylum via border crossings so our second favorite daughter after Megan McCain, obviously. Uh, Liz Cheney threw some shade over at AOC for using the term concentration camp um, in her like criticism of the corresponding event, which included the reopening of Fort Sill, literally an internment camp for Japanese <laughs> Americans. Hey, hey, 
Also an internment camp for Native Americans. That's why it was <laughs> opened in the first place. <laughs> I, it's actually only a concentration camp if it comes from the specific region in Poland. Everywhere else is called sparkling uh, child jails. Sparkling child jails. <laughs> This isn't the sports hill. Isn't one of the ones that we uh, 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 put Germans in, was it? <laughs> we probably. I don't know actually if we did put. Well, the Germans actually. We, had we a definitely. Nice time, we you know. we did. I think they were. All, I think they, I know of one in Alabama uh, that we put um, uh, German citizens in during World War II. But I interesting yeah, fact that camp uh, nicer than the black part of town um, in that time period. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, this is like dismissals, like the same type of rhetoric that like prides 9-11 above any other tragedy. I mean, it like postponing any criticism of the following like war on terror and shit like that. So, I mean, I can't really give it a pass with any way to perform. I mean, being, it's, like, oh. it's like the rhetoric that basically all of a sudden in 1938, they flipped the switch that said Holocaust and everything just started at once. There was no... Oh, yeah. There's just like you can't call this the Holocaust because we don't have large scale uh, like death we're not camps. gassing them well, yet. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's like it's, we're just putting them on trains. Trains aren't trains aren't racist. If yeah, trains are racist, also, then Thomas the Tank Engine is a racist, and I don't believe that. <laughs> okay, you can't call it a concentration camp unless the reason why you can't do that is because they're using trains from Poland in the 40s that were used to ship Jews to the camps, but they had to replace a part on one of the wheels of the train. So it's not, it's not, it can't, you can't call it that. You can't call it a concentration camp because the part's different on the train. Yeah, um, and it's also worth noting that, like, a number of, like, historians, actual Holocaust scholars, and I think, like, Eli Wiesel and other survivors themselves have said, no, these are, like, actually concentration camps. And then you have people like Liz Cheney or, like, I'm sure Megan McCain is of a similar bin just being like, it is offensive to Jewish people that I have met at parties before, uh, <laughs> even though I was not okay with them being in there, to call like Joe this Biden's pile of yarmulkes. <laughs> yes, you said that. Didn't you? Oh, good. Uh, pile of yarmulkes from all the yeah. Jewish events he attended. <laughs> but taking a historical perspective, like from nearly any starting point, you can see that genocide is like a human crime, not necessarily just a well, German one. Like taking, taking. Yeah. No, I, I kind of want to actually like run down some stuff since I have a, have a degree in very related things um like it's the 10 genocide commandments <laughs> <laughs> yeah carl actually got a bachelorate in uh genocide uh, in, so. in doing in doing the holocaust um, that's what germany yes. studies this. um but it's now, the only um, degree they give out in germany nowadays <laughs> yeah it's wild that uh, you know uh, <laughs> germany canceled <laughs> that uh, but um like, to actually, if you take, like, I think it's a thing that, especially on the right, but in general, in a, on the right in America, and in general in America, the Holocaust, the Holocaust serves this function, but e extremely so on the right, where it legitimizes everything Israel does, right? And you see this when you, go, like, when you go to the Holocaust Museum here in D.C., you see this because it starts off the, it starts off the narrative of the Holocaust with, like, um... The first thing you hear about anything that's not just like what was the general historical time period, you know, just like, oh, the Great Depression, like that kind of shit. It starts off with like anti-Semitism in Germany and Europe goes back to like the 1100s or something, right? Pogroms. And, and, <laughs> You're at the Bible. Um, and, and then, it, 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 you know, that's what it starts with. And it ends with like Israel. We need it. Uh, like literally the last part of the Holocaust Museum is why Israel is a good thing, right? <laughs> 
Um, there's like one mention of the Roma and Sinti who did face the same, uh, like, like the same thing that Jewish people did of like, we need to get rid of you now. We need to genocide you now. It, it almost it does not mention at all. Well, um, not I mean, policy towards other problem. people, which was like, we're going to genocide you afterwards. And so like, if you even, if you look at the actual history of the Holocaust, like the reason the Holocaust happens in Poland, right? More Jews died as a percentage of the population in Poland than they did in Germany. Weird fact. Why is that the case? Because they moved the camps. They were going to do them in Germany, but they were gassing um, children and people who are differently abled in uh, Bavaria in like early 1933, right? And there was such a public outcry about it that when they planned the final solution to the Jewish question, which was building the camps rather than just what they had been doing before, where most of the Jews died, which is just shooting the people, right? Right. Um, they they said, oh, we have to do it in a way because of us, like the public outcry that happened to us gassing these people. We need to locate the bigger stuff outside of German territory because if the Polish people get mad about it, we don't give a shit. We'll just go shoot the village of people that are mad about it happening. Also, they'll like, do it. They'll, well, they will the, gladly take part in it. With the American uh, the like perspective on the Holocaust, you like they really can't start looking into things like forced relocation because then there is the glaring question of our treatment of like Native Americans in the United States, oh, of yeah. like black people in the United States. I mean, not even of all of the genocides that we have done as a country. We well, have like, to frame even, it in a very specific way of like this industrialized version of a death camp is the only thing that you can call a genocide or the only thing you can call a concentration camp. It's because any, thing too, any other like, thing that doesn't have that specific aesthetic is something that we ourselves have done in this country. Even right, it's like more a of a specific, like, rhetorical tool, though, to, like, shut down any type of criticism of anything, right? Like, any criticism of Israel, this can be used as a tool to be like, hey, yeah, you know, just shut that down straight away instead of actually examining, like, the contents of what it is. And, I mean, I agree with you. Like, you take a historical perspective from nearly any starting point, right? The, when we gave smallpox blankets to the natives instead of, you know, being, oh, hey, happy-go-lucky, hey, here's hey, fucking Thanksgiving. Hey, Parker. Hey, Parker. Let the British have their own crimes against natives. We have enough, okay? We, yeah, I'm we not have, here. I'm not. I'm not. One. I'm not here to decry the French Indian War. I'm here to decry the Civil War. Okay, let's be clear. <laughs> but regardless, rounding up local civilians into camps as tactics to suppress indigenous guerrilla warfare is like nothing new. But yeah, I think I mean, the big takeaway here is that the fact that we are having the semantic debate of are these concentration camps. Clearly shows how like far beyond the pale things have gotten that we're just like well, and I look, mean, they're I, not quite concentrated. Sure, there are children in cages. Well, sure, they're denied beds and blankets and medicine and soap pay, and toothbrushes. Sure, they're dying of dehydration. Yeah, maybe it's but they're denied showers. It's actually. not. Yeah, it's not a camp that we have trains going to and. <laughs> It's not aesthetically similar. I think I think it, I think it speaks to a lot of things though with the Republican kind of just dissidence from reality because like even having an investigation into Trump was like kind of comical to me because like I watched him on national television say, "Hey Russia, give me information if you have it." And then 6 days later they did. And like whether or not that actually swung the election, I don't really give a fuck, but I mean he did that. It's not hard for anyone to see and it's just like this is the same thing. Like you can go look at photos of 60 kids in a 10 by 10 concrete floor sleeping under aluminum blankets. And it's like, yeah, that's a concentration camp. I don't have to look at it well, twice. Yeah. I, I mean, know what it is. It's also a thing where it's not, it's not, it's not just a Trump thing. I mean, the Trump administration. Has yeah, that's why. Yeah. The Republican. Worse, but it, um, um, it's also an Obama thing. Like, yeah. like 
Trump inherited yeah. these from Obama. Like, <laughs> yeah, they're, like, they're definitely worse now, but the process was still pretty much the same. <laughs> and 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 the border has been, you know, uh, a place since the, before the Mexican-American War. But but especially like for all of our lifetimes, there's been a place where it's like, you know how we can keep people out if we make getting here so hellish that a lot of them will die. So it's oh. just like. Well, like prosecuting people who set out water for like migrants crossing the desert. People have gone to jail for doing that. Yeah. Hilariously. Yeah. Well, and, and, and the thing is that actually that actually makes sense in the context of American policy on the border because the idea is we have a wall along basically everywhere that you could get across with like relative ease, and we don't have a wall on like the ten percent of the border that's like you know a literal river that you can't cross or like can, a, can a, we a, make- a cliff. Um, Can we make the episode art that picture of Beto wearing a hat that says "Make the border great again"? Uh, <laughs> <we can>. um, <laughs> but I mean, it's just like like the reason they arrest people and the reason these people go in camps um, is because the border policy is make it hellish to get here across the southern border. Like that's literally what it's been since Clinton. But so not only like, that, but th- this being used to like. Uh, desensitize us to the victim suffering by just denying even talking about it in the first place is really like important in terms of the mainstream media, right? Like fundamentally invoking the word does not demean the memory of the Holocaust at all, but it's used as a means to shut down to where people aren't even exposed to these kinds of things unless they go to um, different outlets as opposed to being talked about on any major news networks. In fact, it's, I mean, it's the opposite of like, it's what you should do if you know about the Holocaust. It's called yeah. it. That's literally what you should do. And that's what <laughs> anyone who actually knows what the Holocaust is is doing. Is like, yes, this is exactly what happened during, like, that led up to the Holocaust. Yeah. I mean, this is actually uh, like I haven't, haven't seen Crystal Knocked yet. So, <laughs> like, like when the camps made the switch from, um, like, housing political prisoners, you know, people like us, um, <laughs> which is what they started off as. That's not a joke. It's true. Um, when they made the switch to like ethnic based, like we genuinely do not care if you're dying and shit in there instead of like, and eh, you know, this is like a, a part of our prison system that's relatively well integrated and that like people know about and it's public and it's just like, it's prison, you know? Okay. Whenever they made the switch to like racial, like we're just putting you in here. We're like separating your kids, blah, blah, blah. Whenever it became that, that was a long way down the path. Yeah, um, not even well. And one problem like, with this is it's very hard to like convince people how truly atrocious this is because we have just this precedent of mass incarceration domestically, and so it's like, oh yeah, no, I mean, like you know, millions of people go to prison. Who cares that more people are locked up? Because we've set the precedent of no, like lots of people just go to prison. That's what you and, do, and and like in a very racially tinged way. Yeah, like, absolutely. Well, a racist way. That, that's what, that's and that's and that's uh, that's a huge part of this. Is like it's not white people being put in concentration camps, and that's yeah, why a lot if, of the like right like, people are like, oh, well, we can't call it that because it's non-white people. Of course, these same people would not have called Jews white people in the forties. Uh, <laughs> no, of course not. Irrelevant, but. Um, even then, having the bright line be whatever the standard the right has before we're even allowed to talk about this is. Well, and that's that's what they've I mean, done the really well. Is, is, is Auschwitz Tuber Canal is is the gas chamber? That's the standard. It has to be running. Um, I mean, the, the problem you get is people on the left want to <sighs> confront the right on this, and the right is doing what they have always done really well, which is like set the debate on their terms. And now it's like, all right, yeah, it's it's complete misdirection. So it's like by the time we finally won the argument of getting them to consider them concentration camps, whatever a year's gone by, and now. We yeah, have and now they've switched chambers. to actually gassing people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. 
acting like it goes from zero to a hundred. Yeah. <laughs> well, are we ready? It's like to the move car on? salesman meme of like a guy slapping um the camp. And says, this baby goes from zero to a hundred dead people in tw- five seconds. <laughs> <sighs> well, on that wonderful note, uh, do we want to move on to Oklahoma news? Yeah. Let's so, uh, get a little bit more positive news. Yeah, let's hear let's hear some good news <laughs> about. Um, so this week in Oklahoma news, we have something that's uh, genuinely really good news. Um, I don't know if you saw this, but um, following like Governor Stitt's election and it being, you know, like it was very clear that if um, if Drew Edmondson had won, we would have expanded Medicaid, to the governor's office, um, instead of um, you know having to do something else. And, and the whole plan, if if Stitt won, was um, asked it to do it. Stitt says no, and then we we have a ballot initiative, right? Um, and what happens in the case of every ballot initiative, basically in every state, right? You're, you're putting a ballot initiative out in front of people because you think you can get around the legislature and like a uh, vested political interest, blah, blah, blah. Um, or, you know, you, you unless, know, unless of course they just completely ignore the ballot initiative and say, oh, people didn't know what they were voting for and throw it out. Uh, <laughs> yeah, true. Hey, um, don't call our decrim bill out like that. <laughs> <laughs> very, very real possibility in Oklahoma. Um, but, um, what happened is that, uh, people started doing the work for a Medicaid expansion ballot initiative. This is happening in some other states where, um, you have a Republican governor or Republic, you have like Republicans in, uh, structural places that can block the passage of Medicaid expansion in a state. And so you put it up to a vote of the people and people basically always vote yes for it. But one of the first steps in that is getting the what's called the gist uh, in Oklahoma specifically approved. And the gist is the language that you have at the top of the sign sheet. I mean, I'm sure if you listen to the show, you've signed some fucking uh, petitions before and shit. And you have that little uh, text at the top that explains what you're signing about. And that stuff is actually really important legally because it needs to be correct and straightforward about what you're signing so that you're not signing something and it says asterisk at the bottom, actually, they are concentration camps and so we're going to put more kids in them. Um, you know, because you don't want to sign that unless, unless you mean it. Um, so the ballot initiative was challenged, which is a natural thing you do, because if you can head it off at the pike, you know, you want to do that if you oppose something. Um, and the Supreme Court, uh, very luckily, um, rejected a, the uh, block to the plan, um, rejected the, the contention. Like, uh, the contention was about something in the gist that said, um, it was like 133.5% income of the poverty line, something like that. That There was a number that apparently was questionable, and they said this number is questionable, you can't put it in front of people. And apparently the Oklahoma Supreme Court, like, in like an hour, came back out and was like, no, nah, go get fucked, go, go to hell. Um, <laughs> which is really cool. Um, that's very good news. But it brings up, I think, the more relevant stuff for what's going on for you, dear listener of the show, especially if you reside in the state of Oklahoma. Um, They're going to have to figure out now when they're going to start the signature petition um, because you get 90 days. Um, And that, like, I want to, one of the state offices says, hey, now the window is open and go get your signatures, right? Um, And they have to get about 178,000 signatures because, like, the 2016 election had super high turnout or something. And so it means that the signature level is really high. It used to be something like 50,000 or some shit. So you could just get anything really easily. Damn. Um, if only we didn't have such high voter turnout in this country. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I think, I think we should make it more um, difficult to vote. Personally. 
<laughs> Are you friends with a segregationist? <laughs> yeah, friendship ended with Malcolm X. George Wallace is my best friend now. <laughs> but I want to introduce a, a law where it's if you can't read, you get to vote. If you can read, you don't get to vote. You're disqualified if you know how to read. Yeah, you're not allowed. Illiter- you illiteracy to- tests. <laughs> <laughs> you have to be over a certain age to vote. It's just like two 60. pieces of chocolate on a table, and one of them says, this is a laxative in front of it, and you have to pick a piece of chocolate, and if you pick the non-laxative, then you don't get to vote. <laughs> that should be pretty tight. We should do that. Um, guys, we're going to start a ballot initiative pretty soon to get 177,000 illiteracy tests for voting. Um, and then we can write whatever we want at the top because it will be, oh, we don't want you to support it unless you can't read. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, but now they have to get those like, um, 177, 178,000 signatures and they have 90 days to do it. Um, and if they don't get it, they can try again. They have to come up with a new thing, go through the whole process. Um, but it's going to be really interesting because, um, like, uh, it, it's very obvious that they were not really prepared for this to happen this quickly. Um, like, the day after the, <laughs> this is actually really funny, the day after, or the day of, I don't remember which, but after the decision came down from the Supreme Court, all of a sudden, the governor's mansion was hiring someone new to work on health policy. <laughs> <laughs> So that they can figure out a way to make this worse, uh, <laughs> whatever it does actually pass. Because it's got, like, ridiculously high support among voters. It pulls at, like, 70% or something uh, among everybody. I know it's not um, his field, but I hear uh, Scott Pruitt is looking for work still. <laughs> <laughs> no, Scott Pruitt is waiting for Joe Minhoff to finally die off or retire. <laughs> to take a small plane ride over the Osage. Um, um, but... Um, what that means is that we need to start, like, if you can, if you have, like, definitely sign it if you're in Oklahoma. Go fucking find somewhere to sign it. I don't give a shit if you live in fucking, like, I don't know, like, the the mountains in, by by Lawton or something. Like, get the fuck out of your hills and go sign it, you know? We'll give Very you a good important. reason to go to OKC or Tulsa or something. Find someone yeah. with a, a, a clipboard and... And bring your Dem- friends. Bring your demented parents that are, like, uh, senile, you know? And if it's someone with a clipboard asking for signatures that is not related to Medicaid, demand that they bring you the Medicaid uh, petition, even if they get frightened and confused and don't know what you're talking about. Uh, Just insist even louder that you need that Medicaid petition. They Uh, have it, and uh, you are legally allowed to fight them to put your signature on. Yeah, I heard that uh, if you'll go to any McDonald's in the state, order a (laughs) McDouble and a copy of the petition, they have to give it to you. That's the law. (laughs) And so I want you to go to McDonald's, demand the petitions, and... In, okay, in the state yeah, constitution, you, you can, you can legally approach Kevin Stid at any point, and he has to give you that petition. <laughs> but he's allowed to give you a riddle that you have to answer. <laughs> God, our um, constitution probably what, does say something like that. Jesus. <laughs> it's only 800 um, pages long. <laughs> what you really need to do is go to all the like Republican, uh, the Starbucks and Republican areas of so South Tulsa, and order a drink. And tell them your name is Medicaid expansion, <laughs> and they have to say it. They're legally required to say Medicaid expansion whenever the, your drink is ready. Um, That's um, an interesting but, take. 
So it's it's very important that we go support and do this um, because as we saw with like um, medical marijuana, like uh, people will probably turn the fuck out for this. Um, they're going oh, to run, yeah. I'm sure, a pretty hard campaign against it. But like it's 90 percent funded by the federal government. Um, all they're going to say the whole time to oppose it, which is what they've always said, is what if the federal government stops matching the funding? Like we literally the the House, we passed law in this legislative session that says if we expand Medicaid, and the federal government stops providing the funding, we'll stop doing the Medicaid expansion. So it doesn't fucking matter. Um, but they're still going to say that. The federal government has never stopped matching funds. Um, so we just have to come up with about, um, I think it's $100 million. Um, Hell yeah, We have brother. to come up with $100 million to get a billion dollars of federal funds. We already pay the taxes for it, too. <laughs> like, those tax dollars leave our state and don't come back. Um, so we got we to gotta do this because Medicaid is like, super important like it just it goes to like children and 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 single mothers that are too poor for health care no, <laughs> well and that's that. like the, the classic good thing about medicaid is once you expand it it's very very hard to back it down because it's hard to take medicaid away from people that have it because it's really helpful <laughs> well yeah and the second they try to take it away and they know that i mean it was the same thing like ted cruz said before the aca got passed he was like if they pass this we will never be able to get rid of it because the second they try to get rid of it, if we pass Medicaid expansion, no matter the situation, people will be like, oh, do you want this baby to die? This baby <laughs> who has type 1 diabetes? Do you want to kill it? You're going to kill the baby. And, and, it's okay. and, you know, Republicans can't say they do in public, so they have to. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it'll be some white babies. That's the real reason why they can't do it. Um, so I, I, we're going to jump into our final Oklahoma story for the week. And uh, it is discussing a Supreme Court case that was argued uh, last week, uh, last Tuesday. Arguments were heard in Carpenter. No, that was in November. Oh, it was in November? (laughs) That's my bad. Um, So this case was argued in November. Uh, It's Carpenter v. Murphy. Um, uh, We're expecting the opinion uh, uh, next week or at least very soon. Um, I mean, they have like like 12 decisions have to send out and they haven't sent this one out so like it's gonna happen next week there's basically no way around that yeah Um, so uh mr murphy was a creek indian who murdered a man in rural mcintosh county uh and after he uh was sentenced to death um his attorneys basically made an argument he was sentenced to death by the state government and uh, the his attorneys basically made an argument that since he was an Indian committing a crime on Indian land, which uh, this uh, land he had been on uh, was at one point a Muscogee Creek Nation area, although that it was um, like you're going to use the word sovereign again, yeah. and I still so, don't know what that means. So it was it's like American. it's um, where he murdered the guy. Like it was another Creek Indian that he murdered, right? Another is, enrolled yeah. tribal member, which is very important too. Yeah. Um, it wouldn't work otherwise. But um, get to the land he was on has um, ownership that goes back to the Dawes Act's allotment. So it stayed in. It's not been taken out of ownership of a tribal member um, who you know, has it in some kind of lineage from the Dawes Act. So that means it's still like it's not been turned into non-native land essentially is, is the argument. Um, for another reason, I think you should explain right now, Adam. Uh, so basically this, this court case decision is, uh, uh, around whether or not, um, Mr. Murphy should be tried, uh, should, should allow the state court decision to stand or 
if he should have he should have been tried in ju- in federal court, which would have had exclusive jurisdiction uh, over the problem. Um, this goes back to a very old case, an 1883 case uh, that I've probably uh, talked about on this podcast before because it's incredibly important for uh, Native American rights, and that is uh, Ex Parte Crow Dog, which is a really cool court case name because Ex Parte sounds like a really cool party, and then Crow Dog also sounds like someone who'd be at a really cool party. But Crow Dog <laughs> killed an, another Indian named Spotted Tail. Uh, and he killed him in the Great Sioux Reservation of South Dakota. Now, this was important because it was an Indian who committed a crime against an Indian, and then the Indian courts settled it. So, very analogously, you've got an Indian committing a crime against an Indian on Indian land, and he would like to be tried under Indian law. Well, that's not going to happen because of Ex Parte Crow Dog. Crow Dog came out and they he said... He wants to be... So I'm, he wants... I'm, I'm going to get yeah, to... Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's right here. So he wants like, to be tried as a sovereign citizen. Yes. Uh, so, <laughs> so basically, he wants to be tried in federal court because he can't get tried in Indian court because Ex Parte Crow Dog rules that under the Major Crimes Act of 1885 um, that any... Um, what we quote is a major crime, basically any felonies commissioned on Indian land by an Indian against anyone is got to be tried under federal law. And so the only uh, option the court, the, the, um, the Indian court has, the only jurisdiction they can exert is over an Indian offender against an Indian vin- victim in a misdemeanor non-major crime. Against against uh, and it has to be in the same tribe. Um, yes, and they have to be on tribal land because that's yeah. the other half of jurisdiction is not only subject matter but personal jurisdiction. Um, and so that again is then so he wants to say essentially that the federal courts had exclusive subject matter jurisdiction, which is incredibly important because there's not a federal death penalty. There's only state death penalties. So if he could get to federal court, even if he's judged guilty again, he doesn't get the death penalty, which is the whole reason they're making this argument. Um, and in his specific case. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, in his specific case. But the ramifications could be enormous because should they rule this way, it essentially will, uh, uh, if, they, if they rule that this should fall, it will, it will give the tribe the ability to push back um, and to reestablish their uh, natural borders uh, that they were given under the Dawes Act. Uh, I say natural, I guess I should say legal borders they were giving uh, back under the Dawes Act. Under, under their treaty, actually, under yes. the treaty, because um, the, the fundamental reason they're arguing it up this way is that the Supreme Court precedent like, like a, um, is that it takes an explicit act of Congress to end a tribal reservation. Because, um, the, because of the Constitution. The Constitution gives exclusive authority to Congress to deal with foreign tribes and international relations. So state governments actually aren't supposed to contract or make treaties with Native Americans. That was the federal government's job. And... The other important thing there is that um, there's not a law from Congress that does that. There's no explicit 
the reservations in Oklahoma are ended, there's the Oklahoma Enabling Act, which is enabling acts are what you do whenever you're trying to become a state. Congress passes an enabling act and says X, Y, and Z needs to happen, and then this place becomes a state on this state, blah, 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 right? Um, and the assumption, the argument the state is making, uh, this Lisa Blatt person, is that because, um, I mean, there was real de facto and uh, any kind of tribal government or anything with uh, the establishment of the state of Oklahoma and uh, the Dawes Act that, you know, which was made with the purpose of like Indians need to integrate into white society and be like white people. You know, the famous phrase is like, kill the Indian, save the man. Very dark phrase. Um, Incredibly. But, um, and the idea is that here, OK, if the Supreme Court holds precedent, then the tribe gets back a lot of rights it didn't have before in terms of governing its tribal behavior of, which, of tribal members. Which um, is in line with uh, what appears to be the kind of modern trend in how we're treating tribes and how the courts are treating tribes in that they do seem to be uh, giving them more uh, more assertions under these old treaties. And so it'll be very... Definitely be interesting because I, I, I mean, even uh, the the New York Times article we're reading from. I mean, even some of the comments from John Roberts are 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 a little, uh, uh, you know, interesting. Uh, some of some of the things um, in in within this are, are are very interesting because it is such a uh, complex legal issue. And so it's very, it'll be very interesting to see how the uh, Supreme Court turns out on that, which uh, the, hopefully we'll bring you an update next week. The really interesting thing, uh, just to kind of tie it up, is that it's an eight. It's going to be an eight-judge decision because um, Gorsuch is famously very pro-Indian and uh, pro-Native American um, whenever it comes to legal stuff. And he was actually on the case when it was at the Tenth Circuit, and they ruled in the. Uh, in Muscogee Creek Nation's favor. So he's off of it, yeah. um, which is actually a problem for the law moving forward because apparently Ruth Bader Ginsburg is just like, fucking Indians, who cares about them? I'm yeah. kind, of, kind of really racist about this stuff. Yeah, um, and a, so there's a, weird one. <laughs> a very real likelihood that she might not, uh, that she might go with the conservatives and make it a 5-3 a five three decision in favor of the state of Oklahoma. Like you said, very interesting. Well, I think that'll bring us to the conservative reading series. Come on over here. Come on, coward. Coward. I know that I want to punch you in the nose. I'll beat your goddamn ass, you son of a bitch. You're an intellectual dumbass. And I'm coming. You coward. You think you're a tough guy. I hate you. Coward. <laughs> We're going to defeat this anti-human scum. We're going to wreck their world. <laughs> well, we've got a... Uh... Uh, a little different article today. It's uh, from the Oklahoma Editorial Board, and it's written by a James F. Burns, but it's not quite written by Mr. Burns. Um, it's it's written from the point of view of a flag. An American, I'd like to say any flag. An American flag. The greatest like, flag. That's the holy goddamn like Bible, to, sir. I, oh, I would, my God. I would like to note that this uh, this momentous uh, piece of show history that this is the first time in our seventy two episode run that I will not be doing the conservative reading list, and I'm very excited <laughs> to experience this from the other side. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Well, this time, uh, the, while I will be reading the conservative reading list, the words are from a humble but proud American flag. Uh, in a point of view, a flag day salute. 
the flag starts off. I've been to the moon. I've been burned. But more often, I'm Hell on. yeah. I'm your American flag. <laughs> With 13 stars for colonies clamoring for freedom, I was first flown at Fort Stanwix, New York, in 1777, and then carried into battle for the first time at Brantywine in Pennsylvania. By war's end, I was saluted as the emblem of a sovereign nation, new and free. I'm your American flag. The Wait, eighth grader, the eighth grader <laughs> who wrote with this, I'm your American flag. The eighth grader who wrote this needs to get a scholastic book report, like star or oh. something. I mean, this is I, worse. I didn't than know, like a freshman speech, like bro. oratory. <laughs> I didn't know I, I that, expect like, the devolution um, of something that was always like revered into something like, what? Do, do you not love me anymore? This is like something you have a third grader read at like a 4th of July parade or something like some contest. You get to read in front of the mayor of Miami, Oklahoma. (laughs) (laughs) And then he gets to like shoot a dog or something. Uh, This is like trophies, the American flag. This this is already starting to sound like it's published in like Der Sturmer. <laughs> this is a guy who's angry that the Pledge of Allegiance is too short. <laughs> oh god. It's like it's always been in God we trust. The Pledge of Allegiance needs to be longer than the Lord's Prayer. America's better than the Lord's Well, I guess I have seen them star spangling. Uh, I spangled many banners in my days. <laughs> the flag goes on, but challenges lay ahead. With 15 stars and 15 stripes, I survived shock and shell at Fort McHenry in 1814. With the aid of rockets' red glare and bombs bursting in air, I was spied from afar at dawn's early light by a patriot poet. Holy shit. <laughs> Fuck <laughs> you. Oh my <laughs> god. You managed to take a perfectly fine poem and make it shitty. What a fucking dill hole. I, I was then celebrated in sight and song by a fledgling nation. I am your American flag. Stop god. ending the, the thing with that. It's like so juvenile. Oh, <laughs> uh, I mean... It's it's funny because it only gets better as he goes on because he mentions all the wars and you know those wars only get spicy. <laughs> I flew over Granada <laughs> after twisting my ankle. Uh, I was in the back pocket. I was in the back pocket of the CIA agent who killed all of those presidents of Guatemala. <laughs> oh, this is no like, who, who uh, flew the plane into the two towers. <laughs> Jesus fuck. <laughs> Oh, but a half a century later, with 33 stars and 13 stripes, I was saddened to see our nation divided. Why uh, does he keep listening? The stripe number stays the same. I the know, it was 15 last time. It was 15. No, he, he thinks the flag is like the military, and each time the nation gets better, it gets like a level up and more bars and stars. <laughs> uh, but speaking of stars and bars, <laughs> our brother spill blood was spilled in a battle by the North and South. But by war's end, Lincoln's iconic words would prevail at Gettysburg. So he wrote this uh, when they turned down his article written from the perspective of the Confederate flag. (laughs) (laughs) A unique nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. But that pledge was yet to be fully fulfilled. Yeah, but not women. At least he's like aware that the Civil War ending didn't mean everyone was equal forever. (laughs) That's something. (laughs) We are post-racism now, though. (laughs) 
I survived mustard gas and ghastly death in the European trenches of World War One. I. I was also. Oh, oh you're just gonna. Uh, you're gonna mustard gas delivered fucking... to Saddam Hussein. <laughs> yeah, skipped right over like the, the skipped over the Spanish American War. War, the war in the Philippines where we like invented like modern torture. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, it was it was there, but uh, it was like being used for the first waterboarding ever done. <laughs> um, in the European trenches of World War I, and 48 stars strong, was hoisted by six soldiers on Mount Suribachi at Iwo Jima in World War II. I'm yeah. proud to be your American flag. Oh, pr- it's proud. <laughs> I, I want to give this seventh grader six stars on this this, this is amazing the fact no, that this seventh is, grader gets 50 stars and 13 stripes this is like the copy written under a john mcnaughton painting <laughs> <laughs> oh but john here's what getting, is going to draw the flag crappily and then have this underneath it that will happen here's where it starts to get good though because the the last truly justifiable war has ended and now we're getting into the the spicy stuff i was carried into battle over frozen turf in korea waved more proudly at home with civil rights and women rights rising was saluted by a little boy as the horse-drawn kisan with his father's casket passed by the streets of our nation's capital uh, <laughs> uh, john hinckley jr for president <laughs> It was the best of times and the worst of times. That was the best of times. We were flying over the frozen turf of Korea. It was the worst of times. Civil rights were happening. It was a dark and stormy night, and I was the flag. <laughs> I donated my F from the word flag to John Kennedy when he got shot. No, but through, but through it all, through women's rights and civil rights, I was your American flag. No, this is was written. was it's not anymore. Not he anymore. Now that women can vote, colors, so he could be talking about the Blue Lives Matter flag still. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but here we go. I lost sons and daughters in the rice paddies and hellish jungles of Vietnam. <laughs> daughters Some succumbed to Agent Orange and witnessed renewed conflict about your taking me, your American flag, to faraway lands like Afghanistan, Pardon. Iraq, and Syria. <laughs> where, what? When and where war Syria? should be waged remains a troubling issue. Gadoff uh, died with a U.S. flag in his asshole. Woo! Oh, I like how we got Syria in there. Just like, sure, I'm sure we've been around. But yeah, it's like, does he know There's that we haven't declared war? Had war with but he's like, oh, good. it was great being the flag when uh, people were choking <laughs> on Agent Orange sprayed by John McCain. <laughs> <laughs> it was In great the rice being the patties. American flag when we almost got Kobani. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember when they took back that one town and named it after the guy who led the other army? We won that war. <laughs> the three attempts when CIA agents tried to strangle Fidel Castro with the flag, but it was too poorly made and ripped. <laughs> uh, but uh, Fidel well, gave them all a large meal and sent them home. <laughs> When our nation celebrated its bicentennial in 1976, I was there, scowling at Jimmy Carter. (laughs) (laughs) When people parade on the 4th of July and other locations, I generally lead the parade as I pass by. What does he think parades are? Does he think parades are just like a a mass of people walking down the street and one guy gets to hold a flag in front of them all? What the fuck? That's not how any parade works. God damn it. (laughs) 
As I pass by, <laughs> children along the parade route stand at attention and proudly salute me, no! while their parents or a grandmother behind them might have a tear rolling down their cheek in memory of a loved one who served in uniform but didn't make it back home. <laughs> what, what the a fuck? fucking picture! I mean, this is truly some fascist shit. Holy you know, shit. when the mom is remembering the brother that she lost in the draft and he died for no reason in a faraway country, her little son is just getting ready to march off <laughs> to die. another uh, country and fucking <laughs> proudly, die there. Proudly saluting as she makes her third impassioned call to the VA's office to just please get another six months of benefits. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, that uh, was the dark what? hell world. Uh, I'm about a Medicare expansion. <laughs> I'm often inconspicuous, standing silently in the corner of a meeting room or classroom. Though watching, few, though far fewer nowadays. <laughs> what? Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. Less flags in the classroom. Kids don't respect America. God. Obama, Obama um, sold all the flags to make the Ob- to afford the Obama phones. It's this guy has complained. Known facts. <laughs> this guy has complained to HR that they don't start each day at the Oklahoma by reciting the Pledge of Allegiance. <laughs> if we use... like that Stephen Crowder video. <laughs> <laughs> if if we used justification of exclusively funding um, teachers and schools just to get the more American flags, I think that would actually get. The Oklahoma legislature. <laughs> oh my god! Be the only uh, thing they vote it. on. But yes, yeah, so um, I've I've fallen from favor for some incensed by actions our government takes, but I suffer in silence when abused or defiled, since I represent all of our rights, including protesting and speaking our minds, which aren't really rights. They're more like <laughs> privileges. <laughs> <laughs> So I spend most of my time here at home. Not really. What? It's what? it's in a lot of other places. <laughs> yeah, we have like military ba- all, all over the world. <laughs> I represent us around the globe at various foreign outposts, including military bases, embassies, <laughs> and consulates. That should have just said including military bases, military bases, and military bases. <laughs> And black sites. <laughs> I'm sure Abu Ghraib had a fucking American flag. Oh, yeah. Guantanamo Bay definitely does. Oh, yeah. At least two. How much do you want to bet the, those ca- the concentration camps have American flags? Oh, 100%. They don't have beds, but they've got American fucking flags. You bet it. And he's complaining, he's complaining about them not being in schools, but he's like, oh, yeah, the, the flag, people, people don't like the flag and what our government does. Well, those, once again, Senator, that conversation because they're kids. taught about how, how great the flag is. Senator, <laughs> the conversation around getting the kids in the camps American flags to use as blankets instead of the metal sh- like sheet. Uh, so, aside from the military bases, embassies, and consulates, uh, those rows upon rows of crosses above the cliffs of Normandy and elsewhere we, where we left our honored dead and are often dedicated decorated with my colors of red, white, and blue. I'm proud to be your American flag. Those colors are like American flags. No, I know I'm free. 90% of Slavic countries who think red, white, and blue are their colors. The men who died (laughs) gave their lives for me and I'll gladly stand up. But next of all, I represent the American spirit. (laughs) The indomitable demand and yearning for freedom, excellence, and opportunity. God, this is like just so fucking meaningless. Just Just like indomitable (laughs) demand. (laughs) 
Uh, I am not the flag of a ruling regime or royal family. <laughs> not like the Clintons or like the Bushes. It's a uh, soon to be the Trumps. I'm not the flag of a ruling regime or a royal family, more like a corporate oligarchy. (laughs) I am the American flag, representing the rights emanating from a higher and transcendent authority honored on our coinage. That means God. That means God. He's angry that we don't say in God we trust anymore. Since (laughs) In God we trust should be tattooed on the forehead of every American, and until it is, I will not stand by this satanic regime. Well, before look. before Obama was elected, every American flag said "In God We Trust" in Comic Sans, <laughs> and that's how it should be. Uh, I'm going to read this last paragraph here, but I think that you godless socialist uh, American hating uh, people out there, both our show's hosts and our listeners, should really take some <laughs> advice from the flag here because it's about respect. Look to me as you salute or stand at attention. Pledge yourself to fulfill lofty goals symbolized by my <laughs> heavenly blue field for 50 stars. And remember the 72 mm. heavenly versions you will receive on your <laughs> <laughs> With red valor and zeal and white for purity and hope. Ooh, I wonder the purity, what yeah, I wonder what kind of white purity <laughs> is into. <laughs> Look up and salute with pride what the Patriot Poet hailed as a worthy star-spangled banner. Oh, he had Patriot Patriot Poet in his back pocket. He's he's fucking really mad there aren't 14 stripes on that flag, huh? (laughs) (laughs) He hit that alliteration. And 88 stars. May I wave forever over the land of the free and the home of the brave. Shooters! Oh, wait, what? I am your American flag. (laughs) Jesus. So, guys... We're going to go burn a flag after this, right? Burns <laughs> is a retired professor at the University of Florida. I'm blaming Parker for this one. It's definitely my fault. I, I know it is. That's why I'm blaming you. I like on my page, the article directly underneath from the Oklahoman is, man, quote, high on acid, fires at police, arrested in Edmond. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's my America. That's my America right That there. is. Right, Oklahoma. <laughs> As always, guys, our Twitter is at Red Star Over OK. We also have a Facebook page and a subreddit. You can listen on SoundCloud and iTunes, as well as most other places podcasts are found. Any questions, comments, complaints, or concerns can be sent to our email, redstaroverok at gmail.com. Please tell your friends about us and rate and review on iTunes. Thanks. Have a nice week, everybody. Bye.